Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Real View podcast. I'm your host, Allison Wiley. With me today is our special guest, although he is no stranger uh, to you all and to our realtor community as a whole, Harrison Beecher. He not only is a realtor, a speaker, an investor, a coach, um, the managing partner and co-founder of Keller Williams Capital Properties, but he was also one of our presenters at our 2021 convention just about a month ago. Harrison, thanks so much for not only being with us during convention, but for joining us again today. You can't get enough of Ohio Realtors. <laughs> Thank you so much for the hospitality. Um, really enjoyed uh, being out there, seeing all of Easton and one of the largest malls I've ever seen in my life. It was a very fascinating place and y'all were such gracious hosts. So it was a good time. And only one quick clarification, our team is Coalition Properties Group and we are within the Keller Williams Capital Properties brokerage. So I founded my team within our brokerage, which is uh, one of the biggest in Washington, D.C. Thank you for that. I was, must have been reading an, an outdated bio, so I apologize about that. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me today. So I'm really excited about this episode. It's something we've touched about um, a little bit on the podcast um, as far as uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. But before we get started on that, um, I have to ask our signature question that we ask all of the guests who join us on this podcast, which is, what is the best view that you've ever seen? Best view that I've ever seen? The first thing that comes to mind is the rooftop of the Marina Bay Sands in Singapore. It's the hotel that's like a cruise ship, like 40 floors up. And they have this infinity pool that overlooks all of downtown Singapore. And I saw it right before the world shut down at the end of 2019. It was one of the coolest, most breathtaking things I've ever seen. And I can't wait to go back and see it again. That is beautiful. You know, we've had a lot of answers to that question, but I don't think anyone has said Singapore before. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a great place. Go When the world opens up and when you can go see it again, go see it. It's a long flight. But uh, in fact, the second longest flight in the world is a nonstop from Newark, New Jersey to Singapore directly. It's 18 and a half hours nonstop. Wow. Hopefully you were in some good seats for that and weren't sitting in the main cab. I'm not a small dude, so I cannot afford to be in a tiny seat. No, definitely not for 18 hours. No way. So I do want to kind of talk a little, bit, a little bit about you too. Tell us how you got um, started in real estate and you're so involved um, on both your local level, your state level and at NAR. I mean, you just do so much for this uh, industry and this profession, but tell us how you got started in real estate. Did you always know this was something that you wanted to do? And then why did you decide to get so involved? Well, I got started, like I feel like a lot of folks have a similar story. I was voluntold <laughs> that from, from a very good friend of mine, a lady named Sherry Sivertson. Her son and I were best friends and roommates in college. And it was, you know, spring of 2008. And I didn't really have a concrete plan um, on what I was going to do after graduating college. And she was like, hey, you should get your license. I think you'll be great at it. I think you have a good network. I was always very entrepreneurial. Um, I joke and say I've only ever had one W-2 in my life that came from working 
working as a stock boy in Radio Shack back in the summer of 2004, right before I started football camp. Other than that, I've always been an entrepreneur in some way and made um, money from business ideas and different hustles. So it was a natural progression of just kind of my natural skill set. I was voluntold by a good family friend to do it. And while I got started, I still had some supplementary income coming from waiting tables, bartending, and I had a DJ business. So I had a cool setup to where I could still work at night to pay for life, but then I could devote my days, you know, other off times to building the real estate business and all about relationships, just earning referrals and getting people to give me a shot. And I've just been so blessed and fortunate that more and more folks have given me shots over the years and um, I've been able to help them multiple times over. And my favorite um, stat I like to share is I think I'm now up to 18 people that I helped DJ their wedding, sell them the first house. And then there's been eight that I sold them their second house as well. No way. It's been a great journey. That is so cool. And, you know, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, you at convention and we did a little Facebook live session, which um, you guys can check out on our Ohio Realtors Facebook page. And like you saying your background in this, all of this, like now that I've met you, I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense. I could totally see you (laughs) being that DJ, being the entrepreneurial guy. You can, you can see it in your spirit. And I mean, I'm sure our listeners can tell just from the podcast too. So that's really cool. So then what made, made you um, decide to get so involved on multiple uh, positions of leadership and multiple associations? And I'm like, how do you even have time in, in your day, you know, to do to handle all that you're doing? So tell us a little bit about getting involved and some of the things you do and why you decided to do that. I first attended a, so again, licensed in 2008, still kind of working at night, doing other stuff to kind of to scrape by. And then I really got going full time around 2010. At that time, I was like, okay, what are different ways I can connect and be a part of some dope experiences with this new community, this real estate community that I'm in. And a broker that was trying to recruit me, a dude named Justin Levitt, he runs a brokerage here called Real Living at Home, was like, hey, man, you should come out to this YPN thing. And I'm like, what's YPN? It's like young professional. I'm like, oh, cool. My peers, my, you know, because my office was a lot of uh, more seasoned agents, if you will, that were older. And I'm like, man, I'm like, definitely the outlier, both from an age perspective, from a race perspective. Like, I'm, there are not many other people like me here. Where can I find a tribe? And Justin was like, yo, this YPN group is like legit. You should do it. And I went to one of their events and I was like, oh, the groups of people here are cool, but their music sucks. And this event's kind of boring. So, I, <laughs> so I'm like, hey, man, who's in charge of the music and the stuff here? He's like, well, you got to get on the YPN committee. I'm like, well, how do I do that? He's like, well, you just apply and applications are next week. I'm like, cool. So I apply. And on the way there, I had already applied for NAR's 30 under 30 honor a couple times at this point. And I lost. I got rejected. Like I did not get it the first few times. And the more research I did, if I found out that you needed to be or it helped to be more involved in your local association to be considered for 30 under 30. So it was like 2013 at this time. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to apply to get on YPN committee. And I'd already known some of the people there because there were some people from my brokerage, but that first kind of group, and it was a lender I worked with and another title person I worked with, we all kind of got started at the same time and we were growing our businesses and just getting this awesome mind share and collaboration. And I was hooked after the first time. I'm like, oh, this is dope. This is so much fun. So I moved up from being just on a committee to being a committee co-chair to being chair of that committee. And then I got from there, once you're a chair of a committee, there are additional national events and opportunities that you can go to. And I earned 30 under 30 along the way. 
Um, and then I got from, you know, committee chair of YPN to being invited to be on the board, uh, my local, then my state board. And now I'm going to be president of my local association coming up in this next year. So it's been a growth progression for me from like first seeking out my tribe, finding them and contributing, and then just finding more and more ways and ideas to kind of help collaborate and grow and, you know, bring more people in. Like that's my whole passion now is how do I replace myself and get even that next person that's like at home saying, well, this is interesting, but where's my tribe? Where's my group of people? Come and find it, man. And, and association was definitely that for me. And national has just opened up a whole separate set of people that I've been so fortunate to know, like a lot of those amazing Ohioans, right? I know them through NAR national service and given of my time in that way to make my world bigger and, and build a bigger community. So it's been great. And I'm just excited to continue to grow in a few national leadership positions now as well. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And thank you for all your contributions and your hard work and everything you do for this industry. You know, you do contribute so much. And, and one of the things that, you know, we're going to get started in is, you know, your work that you do around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I know that's one of our big focuses um, in 2021. Our president, uh, Seth Task, was really passionate about about, um, you know, bringing light to this topic and making it a part of the bigger plan here at Ohio Realtors, which I think is just is really great. And it's so important. But I guess, you know, from your perspective, I want to hear kind of why do you believe that it's so important that we are talking about this right now, that we're making it such um, a focal point and not only the state association, but in other uh, realtor agencies and brokerages in the state of Ohio and in the country? Why is it so important? And, and why are we talking about it now? The world is only getting bigger and bigger and more connected, right? Period, right? Like there's a new generation. We talk about millennials, the Xennials, the Gen Zs, the people behind. Like this is literally the most diverse, most open-minded group of people that this world has ever seen. So if we as real estate professionals want to best serve the people who will need housing, we have to be open. We have to understand that a more inclusive and open business is literally the only way you're going to be relevant and be around and be able to actually serve the people who will need housing. So I think there's a couple layers of it. There's a code of ethics that we're all bound by as realtors to support both consumers and everything they do, um, uphold fair housing law, like be the conduits to housing for all people that need and want it. On the way to doing that in the right way, we have to build space and put some thought and effort into having a diverse and inclusive business. And it's been very interesting to travel to places like Ohio, and I was just in Wisconsin last week, to talk to places and crowds that are not very diverse, right? And, and mm -hmm. one thing they'll say is like, this doesn't matter to me because the place I live is not diverse. So why should I care about this? And my answer is always, you know, the best salespeople I know, the best business people I know have a larger vision, right? They have a larger understanding of kind of the world we live in. And you got to think bigger than just your little town, just your little city, just your little local, because the world and the changes that happen in the world are going to continue to translate to everybody's neighborhood. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a scary thing. Like, I think it's a beautiful world where everybody has opportunity and everybody has a place that they can call home. And guess what, right? Allison, as realtors, we can earn a living helping people do it, right? So I'm saying like it's something you should do to just be a good person and to follow our code of ethics and do what I think realtors do at our best, which is be connectors of people and supporters of people. But when you do it, and if you actually lean into and put some thought and effort into it, you can actually open your business up to more revenue and money-making opportunities. So to me, it's a no-brainer, but it's just getting that message along to people that opening up both your heart and your business and your, your mind to 
helping people who are different from you or people different than you've helped before does not take anything away from who you are, does not take anything away from your you know, legacy or what your town was or what your association was. It only helps you prepare for this next chapter, which is going to be more different. It's going to be more diverse. It's going to have different people in it. So either you kind of get with that and get ready and be in position to support and help, or you're kind of stuck in a place of trying to figure out like why the world looks so different and why things are so different, which I don't want any realtors to be stuck in because most folks have the intention, right? They want to help. If you ask nine out of 10 people, you say, hey, would you like to help more people or less people? They're going to say more. It's just right. understanding the tools and the way you get there is first a, a mental and a mindset approach yourself to say that different isn't bad and that, you know, I have some learning to do about how to effectively communicate with different people. And then on the way there, it's just putting in a little time and effort to make sure that what you do is actually open and welcoming to people that may not look just like you. Sorry, that was a ramble, but you see, I get really excited about this. No, I love it. There is no such thing as a ramble when you're on the podcast. That's what we're here to do is talk. And the more our listeners hear from you, the better. I'm sure they're sick and tired of hearing me every single week on here. So um, no worries at all. That is that is not a ramble. That's that's great information and tips. And I love what you said, too, about, you know, this doesn't apply to me or, you know, I, you know, don't encounter um, this on a daily basis. But like you said, I mean, the reality is, is the world is changing. And I think, you know, we saw with the census results that came out, the growth, the changes that we're starting to see in this country, it's happening and it's happening now. And I think it's going to come down to a not only do I want to be more diverse, but it's going to have to be, I have to be more diverse. You know what I mean? And just the way that this world is changing is it's going to just be a, a way of life and, you know, a way that we have to uh, think and move going forward is we have to be more diverse because this is the way it's going to be. So this episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations. You have some great tips and tricks and and ways that our realtors can start to infuse this kind of thinking. And and you presented on this at one of your sessions at our convention. But for those of our listeners who were not at convention or who were there and kind of um, this might be a little refresher for them, Why don't you break down some of the ways that our realtors can be more diverse and really embrace this way of thinking moving forward? I've broken down into really four kind of main steps that I think people can take. And before you take those steps, I think it is important to acknowledge that specifically as realtors, right, people that are a member of the National Association of Realtors and then your state and local under that, we have kind of a difficult truth and we have to understand the context and the historical role that realtors and real estate agents played in creating disparities that exist in housing access today. So that's one of the first things I always say is like, yes, it is important for us to move forward. One of the slides I focused on and didn't want to dive right into the steps without the context is to say that our code of ethics in the past promoted keeping people separate and different. It actually 
said that realtors should not encourage a disharmonious union of people, right? Meaning like we don't want black and white folks in the same neighborhood. Like our code of ethics said that. So I think first we acknowledge kind of what happened before. And then we say, okay, that was the history. And now how do we make things different moving forward? The first thing that I tell people to do as a step is take steps to make your world bigger. Like that class that we offered on diversity, equity, and inclusion is an important first step, right? Like understanding history, understanding where things are, and then taking corrective steps to do better, to open up your world, mind, and heart, to connecting with, supporting, and communicating effectively with different people. Our local association is championing something called the Diversity and Inclusion Champion Award, or honor, I guess you can call it, when people decide to take the At Home with Diversity Continuing Education course and designation, which is a great first step, an educational thing you can embrace to learn more. HWD, at home with diversity. That's a step one, something you can do branded by NAR. Your locals and states should be bringing it to you. Um, there's also an implicit bias video that NAR put out and shared about helping us understand the different ways our past experience can inform how we judge, think about, and communicate with people. So understanding implicit bias is that second part of it. And then the third part was completing the Fair Haven simulation, which is another tool and resource put out by NAR that helps you learn a little empathy by stepping into the shoes of a minority, a person of color, um, in different categories of folks who are discriminated against just trying to find a home, right? Because if people have never experienced it, Allison, it's really hard for them to say that, like, this is a real thing, right? Like, there are folks that I've talked with about this that will say, well, racism isn't a big deal. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we had a Black president. Like, look at you, Harrison. You're a Black man and you're rich, right? They, they will say that and look and assume that just because there's exceptional individuals or individual examples of success and things that there is not still a system that exists in this country and exists because of how we were founded on the backs of slave labor that created inequities that still exist today in different ways, right? It's like not saying that every individual is at fault for the history, what happened in the country, but everyone has to understand that there are systems in place that still impact the ways people can impact can build wealth, can buy homes where they can live, what they know, access, right? Like that access is still all really important. So step one in making your world bigger is taking steps to formally educate yourself on the realities and lived experiences of people different from you, period, mm -hmm. right? Like that's step one. And I think people have to make an active decision to do it and has to be ready to be a little bit uncomfortable, especially if it's something that you've never actually researched or never had a reason to learn about before. So step one is definitely making your world bigger. And we have the example locally of honoring our realtor members in my local association by all of those who choose to take those three specific pieces of education and acknowledge that on our brokerage website or on our um, association website. They can then get like a tag for their email signature and we're going to have some lapel and other swag pin that says that they are a diversity, equity and inclusion champion. Right. They're taking that first step. It's not everything, but I think taking incremental and important steps in the positive directions is what everyone needs to do. So making your world bigger is step one. And I'll pause there if there was you wanted to <laughs> ask questions about it. Yeah. And it's so easy. You know, I was going to say, what does that look like? How do you do it? I mean, NAR has so many of those resources available. Like you mentioned that at home with diversity. I know um, the entire staff at Ohio Realtors went through that training a couple months ago. It's eye opening. It is very uncomfortable. And then I'm a big Wikipedia spiraler. So I tend to learn about something and then I will spend hours on on Wikipedia and Googling um, the topics that I'm learning about. And I mean, I probably spent hour, an hour at least, looking into redlining and how that affected real estate and our country. Not that many 
years ago. I mean, this is not, you know, we, we think that we're so far removed from some of this stuff and, and we're really not. And you're right. Real estate has played such a big role in some of the issues that's facing this country. And it is important as professionals of this industry to understand uh, what role we played in. And like you said, not necessarily celebrated or, or, you know, something to, you know, be proud about, but to understand it and, and say, you know, this was wrong. This was our role, but now we're moving past it. But to understand where we came from. And I think that's so important. So yeah, that's making your world bigger. And those are important. Those are free resources, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's really easy. And I mean, they're not extensive things to do. It's something to make yourself better as a realtor and it will really strengthen your profession. Absolutely. Nothing bad happens when you make your world bigger. True. Uh, that's step one is actions you can take. And I think it's also important for folks that are on this journey of education and again, learning more about kind of what's going on. And like I said, learning about the lived experience of people. I think it's important when you say diversity, equity and inclusion, that has been kind of a charged word or phrase recently because people will espouse guilt or kind of individual intention along with it. Like I said before, saying that, well, I'm not a racist or I don't hate people. So why do I have to learn this? Right. Why do I have Mm -hmm. to go back and dig and get deep into all the bad things that happened in the past in the country, um, even if they didn't impact you? I think it's a part of empathy and a part of better learning and understanding what has informed the experience of people different from you. Just because you didn't do it doesn't mean that it's something that didn't exist or didn't happen or that the impacts were not as bad on different folks. So that's when I say make your world bigger. It's just about like taking steps to be more empathetic and to learn about the lived experience of people, right? Because we're in a people business. We got to know what's going on with the people we want to help. Absolutely. So definitely great first step. Uh, Get out there, expand your world. There's so many great resources out there. Get on it, do it. Okay, hit us with number two. Next up is considering the power of language. We as salespeople are really good at framing, painting pictures, um, talking about neighborhoods, talking about areas, talking about schools. And there's a lot of language that we as salespeople have used in the past that I think considering the context within which we do it or why a specific neighborhood is labeled, you know, hand air quotes, good or bad or this or that. It's a really simple step. But just think critically about why a certain neighborhood has a certain definition or why when the past we've encouraged somebody to live somewhere versus living elsewhere. Like this is a really tangible and specific thing that whenever I say it, I just see realtors shaking their head. They're like, man, I didn't mean to push people or steer or do any of the stuff that we learn about in fair housing class that you're not supposed to do. But our language can have that kind of impact. So just be careful and thoughtful, specifically in neighborhoods that are majority minority or that are up and coming or like historically undervalued, blighted neighborhoods. We as realtors talk about them differently. So how do we change our language and help understand that just because it's a neighborhood that I personally, Harrison, have a feeling about or that there might even be a predominant assumption or feeling in my community or my neighborhood or in my association about it, that doesn't mean that that's not the perfect home for someone else. And that doesn't mean that that neighborhood is not the only place that somebody else could afford. So think about just the power of our language and how we specifically talk about neighborhoods and spaces and just give them a little bit more respect and dignity and know that that home that we feel a certain way about and that neighborhood we feel a certain way about might be the perfect option for somebody else or has been someone else's home that they have love and pride in and a neighborhood they have loved for years. And our language can have an impact on how new people consider that neighborhood and think about it. And we can we can change that with our words. So true. Just be a little bit more thoughtful with some of the things that we say and, you know, think before, uh, you know, we explain something in a certain type of way. I love that. Could this even apply to I know there was recently not long ago a conversation around, you know, master bedrooms. 
And, you know, should we be using that kind of terminology and saying, you know, primary or the main bedroom, like those little word changes, they matter and they add up. It all matters so much. And I'm so glad you brought that up because a big debate came out about that. And people, I mean, I see all these phrases online, like, well, the woke police and, you know, these snowflakes, right? Like these, these other kind of derogatory and aggressive terms about folks being considerate, man. Like it costs you nothing. It's such a small mean, like not a big deal to switch the name of a bedroom. And at the end of the day, right, when we look at like just because it does not offend me or that I don't think that it's a big deal personally, the power of our words and the power of our language can actually do harm to other people. And especially if we talk about marginalized communities, like you don't know the depth and pain that you know, what seems like an innocuous word or description or phrase might trigger or cause in someone else. And I'd argue that as realtors abiding by the code of ethics and as people who want to make space to help all people, if it takes a little bit of effort for me to not harm someone else with my words, why wouldn't I take that effort, right? Like that's an easy thing. It costs me nothing. And for folks to be so oppositional to that, that's frustrating, right? But I think it's because folks think that by being a little more considerate or by, you know, making a slight change or tweak to our language or words, that it says something about our strength or our individuality or our whatever heritage. Like I've heard all these phrases. That's just not true, man. It just isn't, right? Like it's a thing that's created and entrepreneurs are so self-aware and self-determined, right? Like I think realtors are going to be some of the most stubborn people in the world. And Mm -hmm. and that can be good in some ways, but especially with this DEI conversation, I think it makes it more challenging because people are, are just so confident in what they know and what they've learned and experienced in their life that a different lived experience or a different perception of words and descriptions can be hard for folks to realize that, you know, it it doesn't cost me anything. It doesn't take me any effort and it doesn't change anything about who I am to be a little bit more considerate. Absolutely. It's a great bit of advice, not only in how to be more diverse and welcoming in your business, but in life too. Words have power behind them. um, And we should always be thinking and, and be careful with how we're using them. So absolutely awesome. Okay, cool. So what else? Number three. Being thoughtful with our marketing. Again, we've seen extreme examples before that are violating fair housing. I think there's a space to, similar to the considering the power of our words, these are connected, but specifically with what we're putting out, are the things you're putting out possibly going to have a consumer look at that ad and say, you know what, this specific realtor doesn't want my business. Like they don't want to work with me or they're not making space for me as a person, as a disabled person, as a person of a different faith group, as a whatever different description can separate us. Just be thoughtful with both the visuals of our images, the words that are included with them. Like I said, the power of language and then also where they're placed, right? Like I am a realtor that would like to help all folks that are qualified and able to buy a home, right? I'm not going to put a label on who those people are. So how do we look at our marketing a little bit more critically and maybe get some peer feedback or broker feedback to say, hey, is this the type of ad, you know, speaking to both the crowd I'm targeting, but also not excluding a crowd that I would still want to and be ready and willing and able to help. So just be thoughtful with your marketing and what you put out in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea of, you know, always getting a second set of eyes on it. I know so much of what we do here in the Ohio Realtors, you know, communication team is we're always, you know, keeping that top of mind and running something across, you know, each other's desks and saying like, hey, what do you think about this? Hey, like you said, is this portraying what I want to convey with the clients that I want to serve and that I'm able to serve? You know, that's that's a great bit of advice. And that second set of eyes always helps, I find. 
And then next up is showing up and staying where our community needs us most. Again, especially as realtors that have found some success in business, the finances, right, the money that we're able to make, um, the other things that come along with making that money can do a lot of help to specific organizations in your community that are helping and supporting marginalized groups. So we do something with our team where we're going to earmark 1% of uh, the net commission that we are on every deal to either a nonprofit organization our clients designate or to a pool of organizations that we hand-selected because they help either with education, with food insecurity, with homelessness, with a couple like big categories that generally support people of color or marginalized communities more. I think that's an active and specific thing that people can do to lean into all DEI efforts by looking at the work that good nonprofits are doing locally and make a statement to the consumers you interact with that you're going to give a percentage, amount, whatever. You can say what it is. It doesn't really matter what the amount that you say you're going to give is. It's really more important that you're communicating to the consumers you meet with about specific organizations that are doing good where you live. So show up and stay present and give what you can and where you can to organizations that are helping some of these marginalized communities that we're you know, looking at bigger policy things to support. But there's a on the ground and immediate need that can be helped with either your time, talent or treasure. And realtors are really good, I think, at both connecting dots and you know, helping both raise funds and awareness organizations. Absolutely. We know realtors care and realtors give back. And I know Ohio Realtors specifically, we have a, you know, an awesome group of members who really care about their communities. But that's such a cool idea. I love that you do that. And what a great example and really walking the walk and talking the talk. I think that's that's really cool. So these are all such amazing ways and thoughts and ideas that you can take back with you to your business. And we're not saying, you know, head back to your brokerage and change the entire, you know, company culture. These are just tangible things. What I love about what you've said today is these are tangible things that you can literally go home and do tonight or do tomorrow or do next week. I mean, these are such thing, easy things to incorporate in your day-to-day life that will make a big change in the long run. Take a little bit of time and effort, man. It can make a big difference. And it's just all about incremental steps. I say when I give this class, I'm not saying for folks that are new to this conversation to come and show up at a Black Lives Matter rally tomorrow, right? We're not saying that the steps you have to take are so extreme, but there's all these different ways that you can actually engage. And, you know, it makes a difference, even if it's just paying attention more and understanding what's happened with folks. Like in my book, that makes a difference. And there's a journey that we're all on. And as realtors, I think we have a higher calling to kind of accelerate our path along that journey because we interact with so many consumers, right? That need folks that know what's going on with different people. Like it's an important part. Yep. Got to be able to relate to your clients no matter where they came from or where they're going. Absolutely. Well, Harrison, this was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing these. Um, To all our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. We hope you uh, will take this with you and, and food for thought, if nothing else, you know, something to think about as you wrap up this podcast today. But Harrison, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for everything you do for our organization, for our industry. Thank you for being a friend of Ohio Realtors. Hopefully we can get you back to Ohio sometime soon. Let me know. It'd be my pleasure to come back. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks again, Harrison. And thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.
This has been a Humble Pod production. Stay humble.